What was your cold open that you had? Did you want to talk about that cold open, or did you just want to do? It was literally <laughs> your the day? your save the day. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome to Make Believe Money. <laughs> Make believe money. Uh, welcome to Make Believe Money, the podcast where we talk about fantastical worlds and their finances and what sort of implications those finances have in those worlds. But you said before that you didn't want me to say fantastical anymore because sometimes we do things like Hamilton. No, I was okay with fantastical. I didn't want fantasy. Fantasy. Because we might do sci-fi. We might sure. even do like, yeah. you know, like Memento, for example, Ooh. just randomly. But like that's made up, but it's not like, they're not all like unicorns and wizards and right. stuff worlds. Right. There's a limited amount of that. Dan, what are we talking about today? Well, Liz, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Lord of the Rings. Oh, that sweeping epic. That's, Damon. That's Damon pours Damon, wine directly a into a mic. Full wine glass. <laughs> yeah, so this is going to ruin our cold open for the next episode. But so this episode, <laughs> and the next episode, everybody, <laughs> I work on them. They panic me. Other, I panic otherwise. <laughs> Normally, I drink beer while we're doing this, and these ones, I'm drinking wine. So we'll have to see if my sense of humor is different or sad or worse. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> with the, be if better my, for your heart at least. Yeah, my humor has a dark cherry taste to it. Is it dark cherry? Yeah, I'd say a little bit of like wood and vanilla and cherry. Mine you know, I feel is, like um, sugar, sugar and, and pink. Uh, yeah, you guys are drinking, <laughs> drinking the pink sugar one. water. Sugar water. Sugar water. I have a nice, well, a Trader Joe's cab, a so I won't say nice. It's got nice, two first names on it, so. It does. That's something. Yeah. Ours doesn't even have one. So what are we talking about today? Yeah, we just, uh, we talked about that already. We're talking about Lord of the Rings. We still <laughs> did not introduce ourselves I guess or I'm, new rating. I'm Liz. It's This is episode 21. I feel like people know who we are, right? Where am I missing the brand? This is, could be first time listeners. That's, That's who we're protecting hey. with this. And if so, we are so sorry. Yeah, this is a messy one to start with. Maybe pick a better one. Right. I think Charlie we'll, and the Chocolate Factory is pretty good. We'll fix it in post. Yeah, it'll be great. I'm Liz. I'm Damon. I'm Dan. And Dan, what are we talking about today? <laughs> so we're going to talk. I don't want to talk about what we're going to talk about yet. Okay. Let's just do our ratings on Lord of the Rings. Okay. But what I will say is, so this is not The Hobbit. We're going to talk specifically about the Lord of the Rings trilogy. The trilogy, not just Fellowship of the Ring? So you're... Uh, we could actually... it One and the same. It's all going to really take place in the Fellowship. Okay. Okay. And your specificity... Is that removing the films from like our consciousness here, or oh boy. no? Like, um, <laughs> although they don't. So here, here, let me like actually say why I didn't get specified. The Hobbit and that sort of era has a little bit more discussion of money. Okay. In Lord of the Rings, there is almost no discussion about money, ever. Okay. Not in the books. Not in the movies. It's just kind of blasé, passed over. 
like that's it. They got bigger things on their plate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's they got good versus evil and what have you. And, and the whole plot of The Hobbit is going to steal gold from the dragons. Right, so, <laughs> so that's, why, that's why I'm saying we might come back and do more money stuff about The Hobbit. Oh, this sure. may be as big of a sprawling of a series as this is. And if we get another angle and email us if you have an idea, I'll cover it again. But this may be our only Lord of the Rings. Oh. There's just really not a ton of money stuff in there. But because there's few references... It's pretty funny what they t- what they did. Okay. We can talk about the pay raise that Gandalf probably got when he got promoted to White Wizard. Yeah, he's got good pay. Because I mean, like that one was. I think it's just all about gets, the like, benefits. Down all the time by birds. It seems like not a great gig. Maybe that's just the entry level position. Radagast. That's the yeah, one. Radagast. Yeah, Radagast. But again, not in the Lord of the Rings. Right. Correct. So he doesn't exist for our concerns. <sighs> okay. There's a blue one too that. I'm fascinated with because he just like never gets talked about. Do you know that Gandalf actually has a ring of power? Yeah. What? He gets to wear it at the end of Return of the King after the One Ring is destroyed. Mm-hmm. You see because it because the for... One Ring is gone, so it's not a big deal yep. anymore. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he has. He has the Elven Ring of Fire, I believe. Yeah, that's Hold why up. if you actually look watch the first Lord of the Ring, he says Dark Fire will not avail you while he's fighting the Belrog. That's actually a direct reference to the fact that he owns a ring of or has a ring of power. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we know where my rating is going to sit, I feel like. <laughs> and we might know where ours is. New information to me. <laughs> well, why don't you go first then? Okay. I've seen just the movies. Okay. Um, I've watched... Uh, my mom's good friends were uh, knew that I was super into Legolas when I was a teen because, of course, you were. Everyone was into <laughs> it Orlando was 2003. Bloom. Yeah, it was 2003. <laughs> Orlando Bloom was the best thing out there. Um, we hadn't had one before. We hadn't had an Orlando Bloom <laughs> yeah. yet. Oh, what a sweet Orlando Bloom. Um, but I so that means I've watched the first movie a bajillion times and I have seen the extended six hour or whatever cut of the first movie because that was what my mom's friend gave to me because she thought that I liked Lord of the Rings when really I liked Legolas. Well, why wouldn't you want the additional six hours of footage of Legolas <laughs> that's See, included the trick in is that. most of it isn't him. <laughs> He's not the biggest character, I found out. Especially not in one. Yeah, yeah. No. It's not, like the last third he's running around with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like he doesn't even really become a character until he and Gimli get to like talk to yeah, each other. Friendship at all. level. Right. Yeah. Which is cute. It's and like the last 30 seconds of the movie, of the mm-hmm. first one, where they're like, hey, we should go find the other hobbits. And they're like, all right. Okay. Um, I had a poster of Legolas on my wall. Again, the theme was Orlando Bloom more than anything. Uh, and my best friend in high school was super into Lord of the Rings. She uh, read every J.R.R. Tolkien book ever, all every edition of them too. But I didn't get any of that knowledge by osmosis. So, <laughs> so cut to <laughs> the chase. Cut to the chase. My what is your is, rating on Orlando mm, Bloom? On Orla- <laughs> Orlando Bloom, nine and a half. I've seen Elizabeth Town, but on <laughs> Lord of the Rings, I'm gonna give myself. Any rating feels too high because this one's got like such a deep and long-standing yeah, this following. This one goes real. There's a lot of big fish. Yeah. I'm going to give myself a one, and that still feels generous, because I've seen this movie, I've seen all the movies, but I've never read any of the books. All right. All okay. right. Um, so, I have seen Just of Lord of the Rings. I've seen all of the films, uh, at least twice, I think. <clears throat> um, I read the series once um, as the films were coming out, um, but 
in all honesty, I actually find uh, Tolkien's prose exhausting. Uh, but I love the yeah, world yeah. that it's in. Um, and I, it's like one of my favorite, like, um, like nerd cheats is to learn like very obscure facts about the world of Lord of the Rings <laughs> just to bring up in conversation. Like when I was talking about that blue wizard, like 30 seconds ago. See, to me, the blue wizard is the picture of Gandalf on the cover of the like seventies Hobbit. See, now that, that's the difference though, is like, if I, if it were real, I would know that character's whole name. I would know his entire backstory and the novel's worth of adventures that he went on that weren't captured anywhere outside the similarly similarian. Samarillion. Samarillion. Cut that Sam out and put Jillian. it over every instance of me trying to say that word. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much like in real life, too. Yeah, you, should, you just have to have it on your phone so when he tries to say it, you can just pull it you out have and like have it said correctly. Gun. Yeah. Um, uh, so numerically, I would put myself at like a three and a half. Um, still, it's just like there is like this is the fandom, you know, like there were people who were way into this before there was anything else to be way into. And like uh, even for the countless hours I spent on like the Tolkien Wikipedia, like going through and understanding like why exactly the eagles are uh, unusable. Uh, on the, fly in there. the the path to Mordor. Um, Fine, I guess. All of that included. I just uh, like there are people that I pale in comparison to. I mean, this series does set a lot of the fantasy archetypes. I was going to yes. say this is like, like dwarves, elves, like yeah. elves being long lived, dwarves being underground, like the whole thing, like all of that orcs being versus goblins and the differences, like all of that stuff comes out of Tolkien. Yeah, yeah, and like. D and D and like mm -hmm. things that you see, like fantasy movie tropes. Pretty I much think, like I think the same about like Star Wars in terms of fandoms too. That like all these tropes got established and like there's backstories and novels about even just that one character in the cantina. Like oh, but I don't even mean like this goes deep and everybody has a story, which is true. I mean like completely separate things. Mm -hmm. Like if you said what is an elf to someone today, like half the things they would come up with, three quarters of them are based on Tolkien's, like, description yeah. of the elves. The other and, quarter's Christmas. Yeah, like, I mean, the, the other quarter's, like, old folk tales, yeah. right? But, like, same with dwarves. Like, it's all Tolkien. If it's, like, I mean, down to, like, lifespan and all these random things that are just, Tolkien just decided was a thing. Right. Yeah, it's like, it's like a John Landis quote, I think, of, like, how do you kill a vampire, like, however you want. They're except real. like they're not real except like Tolkien it's as if Tolkien came up with the idea of what a vampire is and everyone was just like oh yeah like those are the rules like that's the whole thing but he lifted a lot of this stuff from like folklore like Nordic and folklore and mythology and like all kinds of places it's just like I mean there's a lot of religious overtones yeah. too yeah like there just wasn't any like he crystallized it in a way that just made it something that I think people thirsted for in a way they didn't before Nope. Yeah. So, which is why, like, every swords and sorcery thing, like, since is, like, born out of it. In some way. Well, yeah. yeah. There's a podcast called Friends at the Table, which is, like, a role-playing game one that I really like, but they, like, invent this world where, like, elves are not long-lived and everything else and just feels so weird. And I'm like, well, why do they have to be? But it's because, right. like, Tolkien made it so and it has always been so and <laughs> it will be forever. But it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Anyway, what's your rating, Dan? Uh, I'm probably the deepest one here. Um, I've uh, these so Dan's at a four and a half. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go a little higher than that, but like Whoa. I love these movies. I've like they're kind of comfort movies to me, like Star Wars. So I've probably seen all of them four or five times or more. Um, I get an extra point just because the first girlfriend I ever had spoke Elvish. Uh, she was that into it. So I mean that's nerdy, but hey, I learned there it is. how to read the One Ring out loud. In... Why not just memorize the quote? Why read it? <laughs> What do you mean? Like, we know what the ring says. What's the no, difference no, between like that in, and learning to read it? Whatever. Oh, Mordor or tongue. Yeah. The tongue of Mordor, which I will not utter here. I was like, I, I was going to say, I could think I can remember it to speak it all out, but not if it's going to offend everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have read the books at least two or three times. I've read the Samarillion, um, which is like literally a history book about a world that doesn't exist. Uh, oof, it's tough. Is it good? You said tough. That doesn't. I mean, it, I do. As much as I love everything about this, his prose is tough to read to begin with. When it's an adventure story, when he's telling a history, I mean, it's it's it it's like reading a history book. And everybody has like six names, uh, so they like alternate like back and forth. And yeah, I mean, it's literally. And then like so and so the great, also known as so and so the great by so and so, also known as so and so. It's just like ugh, like I must really care, and I don't know why I care, but I did. <laughs> like the epitome of the Tolkien of Tolkien's writing to me, and I know we're not talking about the Hobbit, but like there are some major character deaths at the end of the Hobbit that he covers in all of like seven words, and like <laughs> and there are leaves he covers in about three pages. Exactly, and it's like that. I can't. I think that I think kind of sums up exactly what I think about him as a writer but again like he's created this world that even if i don't like swim in the lord of the rings water all that much like i there's a dozen other things that are directly like related to it that i do you think it's like lovecraft for horror where like nobody necessarily really enjoys reading lovecraft for lovecraft but like he set up this yeah i mean archetypes for what horror can be it's kind of like dune for sci-fi where the first like 300 pages are so hard to get through but like dune set a stage for a lot of the rest of it going forward like just the whole genre going forward so but that being said there is a book and i'm not kidding there's a book about all the plants in middle earth someone wrote like a horticulture guide not tolkien though no but like somebody else but like that's how deep the nerddom goes. I was going to say, Tolkien still had a family to feed. So, so <laughs> I'm going to give myself like a six, knowing that there are the people far, who that book far, yeah, deeper wells than me There out are there. 11s out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this one goes up to 11, so. So what specifically are we going to talk? Well, also, did you want to, do you want to talk about the plot a little bit before we get to what you want to talk about, or do you want to tell us what we're talking about first? Uh, we can talk about the plot because it's. I mean, I think we'll go. I think most people know it, and if not, we'll go very broad strokes. Okay. Like a, a plot film. What are those tweet? Oh boy, I just <laughs> fell apart. <laughs> your what brain are, slipped yeah. out of your nose. <laughs> <laughs> what are those like Twitter uh, things like movie plots explained badly? Oh. I think we can basically do that for Lord of the Rings. Okay. Oh, I'm good at these. Do it. Uh, so a uh, this uh, little man. 
uh, finds a magic ring in his uncle's stuff that he gets after his uncle moves away to a retirement community. And um, they find Are out... elf communities the, retirement communities since they live forever? I mean, they're all above the retirement age. And they all so. go off in a boat Man, to some wa- tropical, like, sunny place. <laughs> they all take cruises. Yeah. yeah. It's totally... Man, their welfare state is fucked. Maybe we'll come back <laughs> to this one. To anyway. Um, but the guy... Whose ring it originally was before it got stolen from him by the guy that the guy that his uncle. No, I'm going to back up. That's a. Yeah, well, I had. I had okay. a bit. There's an evil ring, and I they had have to there. destroy it by so taking it to a very people. specific place. Let yes. me take that again because I didn't like that bit. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> there's an evil ring that uh, they the they decide the ring is evil. And that the ring needs to be destroyed. So they go on a long walk until uh, some stuff happens. And they get separated. And eventually they destroy the ring. Uh, and The birds are no help. The birds are no help. End trees are list. sometimes a help. Trees are a huge help. Which is Yeah, trees are a major help. Yeah. Which, like, you wouldn't expect. You'd think birds would be more un- in uh, helpful. Well... To be clear, they're giant birds. That's why we think they're giant they're helpful. birds. Otherwise, small birds aren't that helpful to <laughs> small anybody. Small birds are super helpful. We have to talk about Snow White. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the, the giant birds are like the same like race of things, kind of as the wizard who can't touch the like super powerful ring. Yeah. So that's Wait, why they're not allowed to help. Up. The birds and the wizard, the same thing. Basically. Basically, it's Hello from the Magic Tavern before Hello from the Magic Tavern existed. So he's a wizard with many buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I just know. mean he's a conspiracy of birds and wind and oh, air and fire. But sure. Uh, wrong character. I like Liz's thing. But <laughs> I do too. Many buttholes, wizard. Okay. So, from a money standpoint, yeah. um, I have some actual things we can talk about, but... So it's interesting. I was listening to something about from Patrick Rothfuss, who's another fantasy writer, who talks about... Hey, you should only write like people get really concerned about writing this or that for their fantasy world and making it robust and whatever. And he goes, basically, write what you find interesting and good, and don't write what you don't, because he he makes the point of Tolkien writes a lot about nature and this and that, but like he doesn't mention money at all, which is interesting because Patrick Rothfuss has a really good monetary system. We'll talk about one day. Oh, and he doesn't mention really magic at all. Like there's what magic all think? throughout the books, but if you think about it, the wizards really, other than like the end battle of the Hobbit, don't do any magic. I was gonna say you get like no context for what, how they do it, what they, they do, do, what powers it gives them. Mostly just seems like an honorary title. I mean, they are very like insightful and sure. what have you, but like they really don't go into like you know a lot of magic systems have codified rules, right? In, yeah. in most fantasies, this one does not. Saruman can close doors with his mind. Yep. Yeah, and Gandalf can make a little shield thing. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> but again, you have no idea how that works. Do they draw energy from, like, inside themselves, from external, from what, like, there's no rules to it. But right. that's not not the point. The point is, Tolkien doesn't write about money, because he kind of just waves his hand and goes, this is a quest for all people of Middle-earth, and so the governments, such as they are of this region, provide them with the things that they need, and money's a non non like, non-important thing, more or less. Sure. Okay. So, the only thing you really get is, in the very beginning of the series, the hobbits are going from their home to, like, the first government they're going to run into. They go to uh, Rivendell, which is, like, where the elves are, some of the elves are. And so, once they get to there, it's hand wave magic. Hey, you, we'll just give you the horses and the things that you need. 
But on their way from the Shire, where they start out, to there is the only time they really have to deal with money because they're kind of on their own. It's like, hey, go wait for me at a... Gandalf tells them to go wait for him at a certain place. Uh, they go to a tavern? Yeah. What? <clears throat> I just have to pick a fight with you really quick that um, the Shire has a government because, like, Sam becomes mayor, like, later on. Oh, I mean, it has a government. I'm just saying, like, they're not in they on this, help. like, let's destroy the ring. That hasn't even oh, been decided okay. yet. I was gonna say, aren't, also, aren't the hobbits of generally of the opinion that, like, they'll take care of it. We don't have to bother about it. Yeah, they're just, like, not very alarmist. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, like, once they get to Rivendell, it's like, hey, the government has decided we are on this quest to destroy the ring, so we will provide you equipment and all the things you could possibly need when i think the, the shire is kind of a very mediterranean state of being just like things kind of happen and you can't find anybody in august <laughs> so the mayor is more of like a popularity contest oh, than sure, it is sure. like an actual governing thing they do all sort of seem like we just live in holes in the ground and don't bother about other people except that we're all very nosy yeah so like england <laughs> shots fired um so really yeah they go to brie which is what you're talking about the place that they go to stay in an inn the town is called brie the town yeah. is called brie the, the inn of the prancing pony thank you i was gonna yeah. say i thought it had some sort of ominous name but the prancing pony is not great it is the prancing pony okay um but this is really the only time money is mentioned well there's two real times so in this and so I'm just going to like tell you all the money stuff about it because there's really not much. <laughs> so when they get to the debris, um, the hobbits lose their ponies. And so the, the innkeeper, to make it right, pays them 18 silver pennies. Someone stole them? Yeah. The whole, actually, I think the whole stable gets stolen, if I remember. Not oh. just theirs. Like, there's a thing. And then uh, somebody else pays 12 silver pennies uh, for one of the ponies. Which is, it says three times what the pony was worth. Okay. That's pretty much it. Okay. That's pretty much the only money thing that they talk about. But again, we're not going to leave it at that because that's no fun. <laughs> dig deep, dig deep. There's one other mention of money, which is that, um, so in the movies, if you remember, Gandalf is coming down the road and the kids want to see fireworks, and he shoots off some fireworks, and they're all very happy, and then they run away. Yeah. In the book, he doesn't do that. Oh. He doesn't shoot off the fireworks. They follow him. He goes to Bilbo's, uh, and Bilbo gives the, few, gives the kids a few pennies and sends them on their way. Oh. Silver pennies? That's the presumption, so that's the fun part. If a horse, if 12 pennies is three times what a horse is worth... What the fuck? Then a few pennies. Then a few pennies is th at, at least, least three, three quarters of a horse. <laughs> Bilbo gives these kids enough money to buy the equivalent of a car <laughs> and sends them on their way. So it's a wealthy semi-retirement community? It's like a gated hobbit, hobbit's town. What's it called? The Shire. The, the Shire. Shire is uh, like a gated community. But again, these kids live there, too. Yeah, so it's like no big. They go home. It's like, hey, he gave us a couple of silver pennies. What am I going to go do? Buy another horse? Well, Bilbo is uncharacter wealthy. Well, uncharacteristically wealthy as a hobbit. What? It's because not like, of the dragon treasure? Because of the, the events hobbit? of the hobbit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, and I think, also, I think he has some family wealth. I think they mentioned that as well. Yeah. Like, like, they have Bag End before that, and it seems to be on the upper end of houses in the area. Okay. Well, I don't think your house has a name if you're not 
wealthy-ish. That's true. My house know? is just my house. When it's yeah. like the such and such manor, then it's like, okay, hey, well, it's a wealthy place. <laughs> and for a hole in the ground, Bag End seems to be like a very good hole in the ground. It's yeah. a very pretty looking hole in the ground based on the movies. I'd love there. That being said, we have more. Go on. We're not going to be quite done. Oh, oh okay. Um, I was going to say, it's a pretty quick podcast. Nope. We got more. Okay. Um, so he gives these kids enough silver to buy a horse, which... <laughs> Seems like a bad decision. <laughs> um, as Now, admittedly, he has no kids. Maybe he just doesn't know. Sure. But I found that people who have no kids tend to be on the stingier side, and they tend to be more of like a, here, I used to get a nickel when I was a kid, so I'll give you a whole dollar. And you're like, all right. I see. Thanks. They're like, go to a movie. I'm like, mm, no. Um, that's not how that works. <laughs> so I did some looking into like the Lord of the Rings world, and because there's so little reference of money, I couldn't find much. But there is an uh, online game where they have a currency. Oh. And they have silver pennies. And it's approximately uh, 0.07 ounces of silver per silver penny. Okay. So. Dig deep. Dig deep. That's 28 ounces of silver. So I decided to figure out how much the 28 ounces of silver would actually be worth. In, like, American real people money? Mm-hmm. Okay. So as of the 5th of February, uh, it is $16.74 per ounce oh, for silver. Oh, we're going to go really high. <laughs> nope, $16, almost $17 per ounce of silver, 0.28 ounces, $4.69. It's <laughs> a cheap horse. It's a cheap horse. Well, then I looked up what horses cost. What do horses cost? Somewhere between fifteen hundred and three grand just to buy the horse. Obviously, there's upkeep and everything. Are horses just super plentiful? I guess horses are very cheap in this world. Horses are like mice. I can't get they, rid of them. There's too many. There's yeah, too these many. kids come home with a new horse, and their mom is like, "Not, Not another, another horse. You can't take care of the one you have. <laughs> you haven't filled its water bottle or changed its cedar in for days." Well, it's not they first. Like, a hobbit would never have a horse. They'd have a pony. They'd have a pony. Well, right, because they're very short. But when I the research I did said that ponies don't cost much different than horses. That's in our silly. World. I guess because they grow to become horses would be No, one. no. What? Pony? Ponies aren't horses. Ponies are totally baby horses, y'all. No, they are not. They super are. No. Oh, God. One of us is going to look real <laughs> dumb in a second when I'm on Dame, Damon's side. Hold but on. He's like, well, you call a baby horses a pony. No, it's not. A pony is like an independent species of like equine creature. Yes, correct. Fuck? Okay. To explain myself before you make a total fool out of me, you know how afraid of horses I am. Right? No, I know that. <laughs> I did not. I'm very but, like, afraid of horses. But like that is like like little Sebastian was never going to grow up to be a no, horse. No, no, no. I but know he's, that. Like, he's not a po- I mean, I guess he is a he's pony, a but Shetland, like he's a Well, I thought he was like, I thought pony, Shetland yeah, I pony was like a thing, a like type of horse. That just like call them pony because they don't get big. No, like uh, so ponies in general are all typically like that size and shape. Sure. Um, little horses are called foals. Well, right. those are babies. Yeah. 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 A pony is not a horse. A, not well, a horse. I mean, they are horses. They're both horses. Okay. A pony is not creatures. going to grow up into a horse. Sure. Okay. Well. Yeah. They're just small horses. Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like horses. <laughs> they make me so nervous. They're like antsy children, but they're very large and they have guns for feet. Is basically <laughs> horses never made me nervous until I was at like a parade and I was standing next to a cop on a horse and I was like, oh, I get why mounted people were so much more dangerous in like the Middle Ages because this thing could just 
crush my skull by dis- by really thinking hard about it. Kick you in the head and make you simple. It's like, <laughs> you gotta watch out. Anyway, but because they are equal upkeep and have to be bred and everything else and do not grow up to be horses. An adult. <laughs> they cost about the they same. Cost they cost about, about the same. same. Yeah. But you'd feel like for square foot. But they're not as threatening to a creature that also doesn't grow above four feet tall. Can adult humans ride on ponies or is it just cruel to the pony? Uh, it'd yes. be kind of harsh on the pony. Yes, I, I don't think it's as harsh as you think. And I don't think you so, can ride them like a horse. Yeah, you can't like gallop them through the field, but like I think you can ride them like you can ride a donkey. Or like, where like yeah, donkeys okay. can yeah. carry us no problem. They don't like us. Well, no creature should like us, quite That's frankly. True. Um, That's true. <laughs> Not even my cat. <laughs> <laughs> Most people shouldn't like Most us, if we're being like honest. Um, but anyway, I think you can ride a pony, but like, like a donkey, we can use it for long treks and stuff, but you wouldn't like race it through a field. But hey... <laughs> Here's the thing. Send us horse facts. Please send us horse facts. I promise We're I'll read them. dumb, and I want to know. Yeah, apparently I didn't know ponies were a separate horse. I thought this was going to be about Lord of the Rings, but it's now mainly about it's ponies. about Liz didn't know ponies were a separate horse. So, so what can we infer by the ridiculously well, yes. cheap one other One other Sorry. thing, and then a real world thing. There are real commemorative coins to commemorate Aragon taking the throne of Gondor. You can't commemorate what part of that real thing. surprises you. Nothing. <laughs> it just it just breaks my heart. What date is on it? And they are $26 <laughs> per coin. So, four of those $104 are worth way more than the actual silver pennies <laughs> in the freaking series. You couldn't buy a real pony with it. No, correct. You'd <laughs> still be a long way from a pony or a horse, which apparently are very similar. <laughs> My question is, I wonder if this is like real cars. And I hope so. They So here's your piece of not real money advice. Well, I imagine <laughs> horses also depreciate in value. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> horses only depreciate. So take it off a lot. Like, you know, homes get more expensive and stocks and bonds get more expensive. But horses, the second you drive it off the... <laughs> A horse farm. You lose twenty percent of the value to get you to go home on a Mustang today. (laughs) (laughs) Solid, very solid. Thank you. Um, So, like for example, in current day world, three years in, a horse has eighty percent of its usable life, (laughs) but only sixty percent of its depreciable value. So, like, folks, don't get caught up in things. Buy a used horse. You can get a u- good used horse. I mean, get somebody to check it out before you buy it and make sure it's in good shape. But buy the used horse. Horse, horse facts. Like real, like new horses are horse just a facts. waste of money. And they're going to cost you more. And just don't do it. Just don't do it. Regular old. I mean, really, it all depends on who who was riding the horse before you, though, doesn't it? Like, I mean, you could get somebody who's really hard on the horse, yeah, but that's why you have somebody check it out before you buy are it. Are there, like, horse facts that, like, I can, like, call like up a report facts. on everything that's yeah, happened with I, the horse? Yeah, you see if they've, like, yeah. been stretched out after an accident or something like that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you can generally, you have to be quick to, like, find them, but you can find a horse of, like, 30,000 miles on it three years in, and it's a good investment. seems like a stretch for a horse. <laughs> I don't know. Send us horse facts. How I'm not sure Liz knows go? that we're just in placing horse no, 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 no. in Liz car knows every time. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, after if the you pony think thing, about 30,000 miles for a horse, that seems like a stretch. I don't know. Tell us 
If you we know don't know long, anything about horses. If you know yeah. the duration of horses, please email <laughs> us at makebelievemoneypodcast at gmail.com. And then I will make a depreciation schedule specifically for horses. That sounds amazing. It clearly is a place oh. where I have a lot of knowledge I could uh But going back a second, use. we've been joking about cars, but I should explain, I guess, if anybody who doesn't know, which is okay, depreciation. Sure. Um, so a useful thing to make this episode actually about, yeah. maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, what is depreciation? So this is something that they do um, a lot more for business accounting. Uh, the only, well, not the only, but one of the few things that we talk about a lot in personal finance is with cars. And it basically just means things wear down over time. So when I say, like, cars tend to have 80% of their usable life, that means, like, let's say a car, if you used it for three years, it has 80% of its usable life. I don't want to do the math right now in my head, so I'm going to do it in this thing. Um, so it, you know, it still has, oh, yeah, 12. so, like, 15, 12, something like yep. that years. Um <laughs> is yeah, Damon <laughs> it's okay so what Isn't I'm learning is time? <laughs> so when we talk about beer versus wine what I'm learning is my math gets worse with wine uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> go with it Liz go yeah, with it police, right. but 60% of its depreciable life means basically it's 40% it's lost 40% of its value but only 20% of its use so depreciation just is like it losing its value so like the example they use all the time is like machinery at a factory so if you're going to use it for 10 years Every year, you lose basically a tenth of its value because it gets a tenth closer to being gone. Or if you know uh-huh. it's going to produce 50,000 units, and in year one, you produce 10,000, you've you know roughly used about a fifth, if if that's a guesstimate on 50,000 units or whatever. So why would the numbers for like its value and its like use be different? Yeah. Um, because basically, it's no longer worth anything, even if it's usable. So, like, if someone was trying to sell a 12-year-old car with 140,000 miles on it, 150,000 miles on it, it's basically worthless. So, even if it still works. Right. I mean, and it's not worthless. You might be able to donate it, and you might be able to sell it for a very nominal amount of money, but basically, its value is gone. Okay. No one wants to buy a 12-year-old 140,000-mile car. But if you can get 200,000 miles out of it, you could drive it for another two, three, four years. It's paid off by that point. So it's just very low cost other than, you know, insurance and gas and whatever. Sure. You would just have a very hard time offloading that asset right. for, like, a monetary gain. Right. Okay. Yeah. And in actual business use, depreciation is used because you can uh, basically reduce some of you. You can use it as an expense. So instead of saying, hey, I bought a... $40 million machine this year, and I'm going to just write that all off, I can basically say, hey, I'm going to take $5 million of that as you know, expense every year over its depreciable life, or how long I think it's going to, I'm going to use it for. And there's a bunch of different ways you can calculate depreciation. You can pick a couple of different ones, but it's basically a way to like... You spread that burden over yeah, a number of to years. to make your like income and your you know, revenue and everything, well, not revenue, but everything look a little bit more stable. Sure. So instead of one year, hey, my profits are less than zero, I've lost money, and then next year they're huge, it's just in general, I can kind of keep a pretty stable amount because these are just things that I have to replace every so often. Okay. So then like certain things are not depreciable. So for example, land. Uh, like land's not depreciable. Always, is yeah. It doesn't valuable. go. It doesn't go. It don't go bad. Yeah, you can use that land for the rest of forever. I so. don't know. A sinkhole makes land go bad. A sinkhole <laughs> does make land go bad. Yeah, a volcanic eruption 
sort of his bonus land in the end, but for a brief period of time anyway. Yeah, wait a long time for that to turn around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically when I said that thing about car, it's basically, so the reason we don't use it a lot in personal finance is because things tend to go up in value. Your house becomes more valuable. The stock market eventually becomes more valuable. Bonds become more valuable. Everything becomes more valuable. Or you have something that depreciates relatively fast, but it's such a small expense that you aren't ever expecting to get Right. Like value a, back out of yeah, it. Yeah, like a computer, yeah. when you buy it, yeah, it depreciates over three years, four years, maybe if you're like me, you push it and you have a shitty, terrible computer from college, but <laughs> um, but the point is, like, those are never things that you're expecting to, like, resell for a significant amount of value in the future. A car is basically the only big, big thing you buy that just straight up gets less and less and less valuable over time. Dang. And specifically, there's a premium paid for new cars. And so that's why buy a one-year-old car um, because you lose like something like 20% of the value the second you drive a car off the lot. Dang. Dang. So if you just bought a new car, you drove it around for five days, assuming you couldn't return it to the dealership and tried to sell it, you would not get anywhere near the price you paid. Shoot. So is that why some people lease their cars over buying cars? They want to keep a new car and leasing I don't a car. Know why you would lease a car is generally a terrible, terrible, terrible financial decision. <laughs> quite frankly, the only I mean, do tell <laughs> if you have a high income, you want to change your car out very frequently, and you don't mind paying a premium to do that. Leasing makes sense. Sure. Any other scenario. <laughs> Leasing is a bad idea. A bad so idea. theoretically, like that applies to one percent of people. Like a certain one percent might have a yeah. Like, I, let's call them <laughs> like a the top one percent. Perhaps refer to them as the one percent. That sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> we came up with a great. That's a great nomenclature. We came yeah, up with yeah. guys. Um, no, I mean there. Yeah, it, and there are obviously esoteric situations where leasing can make sense. But in general, if you put a hundred people in a lineup. One, one of them, of them yeah. will make sense to lease sure. if that in general you're better off i mean the best option is almost always buying like a three-year-old in good condition car um, yeah is it a, it's a poor choice to lease a car because it's like renting a car that's not going to tell me why well you're just paying more than you would if you bought the same thing used a little yeah like a little used like even if you bought even if you bought like if Somebody bought the brand new car and tried to sell it 12 days later and you bought it for 80% of the original cost, like, you know, you would probably be able to make less payments on it than you would if you were leasing it from, you know, because you're, you're pretty much doing like a top level payment on something forever that you're not, that you're never going to own outright. Right. You know? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the very high-end cars don't depreciate as fast as the lease says they will, so maybe you could, but the other thing is, leases are very penalty-heavy and restrictive-heavy, mm-hmm. so I've seen, for example, people who leased a car because they were, let's say, only temporarily here. They were in Chicago, like I had a customer once who was only going to be in Chicago for like four years, so they're like, I'm going to lease it for three years because uh, I need it for work, but I don't want to buy a car. Sure. Mm-hmm. In, on paper, that makes sense. Right. Two years later, they, they got a yeah. new job. They had to move. And they were like, I want to get out of this lease. And we looked at all the math. It would have cost him more to break the lease than to park it somewhere 
and pay the lease for a year. Oof. Like, so you're, I mean, it is, it is golden handcuffs. Like you are really tied up into a lease. So it re, again, yeah. it can what make sense. What doing? I th- parking it parking in the woods and paying, and paying, paying the thing. No, I think I think he basically he broke it and he paid the premium and I mean he had a very high income so he was fine it was just like a frustration more than it luckily it was a person who could afford to do yeah, that but it was a, more of a frustration than anything but it was just like it sucked right he was like yeah. well there's got to be some recourse and like we looked into a couple of things and there just there wasn't much of one yeah Oof. so this is a sucky thing to like pay a penalty to not use someone's product for, right? You know, like well, it's the same with breaking a lease on an apartment. You're like, I guess, yeah, I have to pay you for the time that you promised me, or I, you have to pay me for the time you promised me you'd be paying me for this thing that yeah. you're not going to. That I now have to find someone else to pay me for it. But like with a car, that really sucks. With an apartment, you feel like it'd be easier to convince someone just to move in. <laughs> Sublease a car? You can, actually. I think there's a someone can take over your lease, but as you would imagine, the market to it's find that is smaller. Yeah. I bet. I'm sure there's a fee, though I don't know it. And I don't, again, I'm not super familiar with leasing. I would guess that it's only available in certain leases, depending on how they're written. And I don't. I don't even know if we, I don't, it's been like a couple of years, but I don't even remember we looked into that for him, but I remember him just being like, I've asked everybody I know and I'm not going to like post on Craigslist because right. just like an apartment, you're liable. If someone uh, yeah. like sets the car on fire and throws it into a, a garbage you know pile, <laughs> then guess what? Who's paying for the car? Yeah. This guy. Right back to you. Yeah. Shoot. I never knew Lord of the Rings was so much about cars. Yeah, almost exclusively, it seems like. <laughs> and if you really want to, like, if you are thinking about a used car, make sure you look at the teeth. It's a great way to tell yeah. how old it is <laughs> and no, how much never depreciation. But now somebody's giving it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know anything about horses. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we want to say before you wrap this guy up? Uh, yeah, like, only thing I said, I have to say is, like I said, if you have a good idea for Lord of the Rings, I love talking about it, so let us know, and we'll come back to it, and we, again, we might come back to The Hobbit, but otherwise, we don't have, I mean, there's not a ton of, to talk about vis-a-vis Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean, sounds like maybe we've got an angle on, uh, elven retirement communities. Yeah, maybe. I was gonna say, they also get rewarded with, like, non-monetary things a lot, like, they just get things. They get their special cloaks, he gets his, uh... You know, the light of Arendil. I know I pronounced that wrong. Sorry, everybody. Um, like, sure. they get stuff. Yeah. yeah. Even, like, in The Hobbit, they get, he gets Sting and the Mithril yeah. and everything. So <laughs> And a shitload of gold. Well, so, yeah, he gets money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, take us out. Okay. Hey, thanks for listening to Make Believe Money. I've been Liz. I've been Damon. I've been Dan. Uh, as always, thank you to our composer, Charles E. Miller, for her music in this episode and most, if not all, of our episodes. Uh, email us your suggestions or questions or comments or rude remarks at uh, makebelievemoneypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on your podcatcher of choice, but especially Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review. Tell three people who don't know us about this podcast. Uh, as always, thanks very much for listening. And we'll catch you next time on Make Believe Money. Bye. Don't lease a car.